Take your Bibles, turn with me today, and let's look at our focal passage that we have been sharing with over the past several, past couple of weeks in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And this is what Paul had to say. Paul said this, when I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, I didn't use lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. And in essence, he said, but while I was with you, this is what I wanted to, to tell you that I'd forget everything except Jesus Christ and the one who was crucified. In other words, I, I'm not going to try to just fill up and, and tell you all these great and wonderful stories, but I'm going to cut to the chase, and I want to tell you about Jesus Christ and, and who he is and the fact that he died on a cross for me. And so over the past couple of weeks, what we've done has been setting the stage as we've been talking about some of the attributes and traits of Jesus because in the world in which we live, it's really easy to get lost and to have a misunderstanding of who Jesus is. So in our, in our time, what we've done is we said, let's go back to the scriptures and let's see if we can identify some of the traits or characteristics of who Jesus is who Jesus is, and we started out by saying that Jesus is our best friend. He doesn't want to be somebody that, 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 we, that lives at a distance, but he wants to be up, up close and personal. Just to remind us, because a lot of times in our relationship with the Lord, we talk to God as if he's far, far away, yet he's right here. And he came and he walked among this earth so that he would know the struggles and the issues of life that we ourselves experience Brian and the Bible now tells us that he sits at the right hand of the Father interceding on our behalf he knows he knows he knows D he knows exactly the pains and the struggles that we we go through because the Bible says that, that he came in the form of flesh and dwelt among us lived among us then last last week Melvin talked to us about Jesus as a leader a lot of times we think about leadership from positional standpoint actually from being up here Jesus taught us by example leadership servanthood we always think that leadership is about being at the top of the game on the top of the platform but Jesus came down to wash our feet to live in amongst us to teach us how to serve one another so today we're gonna we're gonna look at something just a little bit different happens to be one of my favorite characteristics of Jesus or traits and it's Jesus as shepherd. Just happens to be my middle name, Lefty. I often make fun of that. I don't know where that came from, but that's my middle name, Shepherd. It's got a little nice little ring to it, doesn't it? Sydney Shepherd Brock Jr. I want you to turn now to a passage of scripture and let's see what Jesus had to say in reference to Shepherd. John chapter 10 in the New Testament. And we want to start off by reading this whole passage. But in John chapter 10, verse 10, these are the words of Jesus himself as he speaks. And this is what he says. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. Who's the thief? How many of you guys like a thief? Nobody wants to raise their hands today. The thief, Satan himself, comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus goes on to say, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. And look at what he says in verse 11. 
I am the good what? I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Jesus, the shepherd. Now, there are several metaphors in Scripture that we find that sort of describe the relationship between Jesus and us. One of those is the word family. In the word family, there are some issues that we talk about um, because the family is made up of different relationships, correct? Mothers, fathers, sisters, brothers, aunts, uncles, grandparents, and the such. A lot of times, people in our day and time view the church as an institution or the church as something different. But here is maybe even a business. But here we see that the church is a family based on relationships. Also in the scripture, we see the relationship described from the word fellowship, which describes that there should be unity, gives us the impression there should be a unity among God's people. Fellowship, unity among God's people. There is the, the word body. We see that used in the, in the scriptures, the body. The body is, is made up of many different parts uh, that have different responsibilities. And, and just as our family is made up of different parts, if you're part of God's family, not only you're a different part, we all are different parts, but the Bible talks about the fact that each one of us have a specific responsibility. So my question for you, if you're part of God's family, what responsibility are you fulfilling today? Not only from a local perspective, but from a, a, a larger perspective, the overall body of Christ. Because when you, when you begin to function inside of that body and you're fulfilling your purpose and you're fulfilling a task that God has gifted you for, there's meaning that seems to take place. See, it's a whole lot easier to come to church on Sundays. I mean, it's a whole lot easier just to sort of show up and go in and out. But if you're part of God's body, if you're part of the family of God, my question is, what role are you fulfilling because God's gifted you with a specific purpose in mind? But then there's another one that we also see, the, the metaphor of the flock. Here, Jesus is the shepherd and we are the flock. This is what the psalmist had to say in Psalms 100, verse 3. He said, acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us, we are his, and we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Now, if you, if you take that English word, um, there's a couple of words that are really close together. Shepherd, pastor, overseer, herdsman, they all seem to go, to go together. And in the New Testament, those words are best described by a Greek word by the name of poimen. That's your sort of your, woo, that's your big word for the day, poimen. That's what that sort of means, poimen. And it was used to, to describe those different relationships, those different types of characteristics, poimen. And I want you to think about this today, that if Jesus is our shepherd, that he's our pastor. That if Jesus is our shepherd, that he's our pastor. You may not know this, but I have pastors in my life. I have people that I go to, Sherry, that I talk to. Because everybody needs a pastor, right? Everybody needs somebody that they can talk to. Everybody needs somebody that will comfort, care, love, but also confront. Not just always tell you what you need, what you, what you, what you want to hear, but what you need to hear. The shepherd confronts as well as loves. And there's a scripture in the Bible that talks to us about both perspectives, about not only the earthly pastor, but also 
um, our, 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 our Jesus being our shepherd. And, it, and they're both in the same passage. And here's Peter talking, and he's writing. There's a tremendous amount of persecution that's going on, and he writes this letter. And in this letter is he's talking to overseers, um, and he's talking to, to pastors, and he's talking to elders. This is what he says in reference to their responsibility for the flock. Listen, listen what he says. Care for the flock, God's people, the children. He said, care for the flock that God has entrusted you. We have a responsibility. For those of us that are, that are overseers at Heritage, myself and Tom and Brian and Jack and Bob um, and Jim, you know, for all of us, Jerry, for those of us that are, that are overseers here at Heritage, we have a responsibility. And what, what Peter's saying, he says, care for the flock that God has entrusted you. Watch over it willingly, not grudgingly, not for what you get out of it, but because you're eager to serve God. Don't lord it over the people that's been assigned to your care, but lead them by your own good example. And then look what he says in verse 4. And when the great shepherd appears, Jesus is coming back. Remember, this is after the resurrection. This is after the ascension to heaven. If you know anything about the progress of Scripture, he says, and when the great shepherd Jesus comes back, you will receive a crown of never-ending glory and honor. I want to take the 23rd Psalm today, and I want to look at that. Um, the 23rd Psalm, so go back to the Old Testament. And what I want to do over the next few minutes is let's take a look and see what are six characteristics that we can find in the 23rd Psalm that have to deal with, the, with a shepherd. We're going to see if we can relate these to Jesus today. So we're going to go back to the 23rd Psalm, and we're going to, I want you to read this with me together. I think we're going to put it up. And today, um, I would probably say if you're here and if you've memorized the 23rd Psalm, you've probably memorized it from the King James Version. Uh, we're, going to, we're going to share it today from the New American Standard, um, and I think that's what we're going to read today. But I, I'd like for you, if you would, to read that out loud with me today um, as we... As, as we start here. And so this is what it says. If you'll read out, do you guys know what read out loud means? Okay, I just want to make sure we understand that. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You have anointed my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Write this characteristic down. The shepherd provides. The shepherd provides. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Underline I shall not want. That literally means I will lack nothing. 
that the shepherd wants to make sure that you are taken care of. Some of you saying this, you're like going, <laughs> there have been multiple times in my life, and even right now, there are some things that I need that I don't have. I shall not want. If, if the shepherd is true to his word, then why isn't he providing for me? But let me say this. There are going to be difficult times in multiple seasons of life. And you know what God uses those difficult times for? To help us grow up in our faith and to give us confidence in our walk with Christ. And sometimes, I'll have to tell you, those times can be overwhelming, if not almost destructive. Some of you have been there. You may even be walking through that, that time right now. But if you've walked with the Lord over a season of life, and as you look back, this is what I promise you, Bob, God is a provider, isn't he? Tom, God is a provider, isn't he? Jim Frazier, God is a provider, isn't he? Jerry, God is a provider. You don't always see that early on in life as you walk through those seasons. But in our maturity in Christ, what we come to understand as we grow and as we gain confidence and as our trust grows, we come to understand as after the fact so many times, not during that, but afterwards as we look back, we truly see that God is our provider. Do you want to hear some stories? See, because there was a time in my life I could have told you about that, but I didn't really understand it. See, there was a time in my life I, I knew what the Scripture had to say, but I'd never experienced it. There was a time in my life I would sit down and teach it in a class or I'd stand before a group of people and I'd say, hey, God is a provider. But I've walked through some things in my life, Kevin Scholey, where I don't have to tell you somebody else's story, and I don't have to tell you what the Scripture says, even though I know what it says, but I can tell you by personal experience that God is my provider. See, there's a lot of things that I've discovered over the past seven years. Wes McLean, I can tell you some God stories. Looking back, I can tell you some stories about God's provision. There's no question in my life that God is a provider. When you walk away and you say, okay, God, you're going to have to show up. This don't make any sense. This is the dumbest thing I think I've ever experienced in my life. To look back and see how God met every need. Every need. And he was never late. When we needed a place for Brian and Brooke to stay, God didn't provide a home. He played two homes. Right, Brooke? <laughs> when we needed moving expenses shows up out of the ordinary all of a sudden here's here's an opportunity for us and I'm, I'm looking at the overseers going you guys are about to be crazy what do you mean to tell me that you want to put two other people on staff this is what we think God is doing but the finances ain't there we believe God this is what he wants us to do Jim doesn't make any sense but God provided here's Sharon Burst moving all the way from Texas we don't have a place to stay Again, you got to be kidding me. A home? No, 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 no. Two homes. When's the last time you hear some things like that happening? 
It always seems like God knows what we need before we need it. I can share with you about God's provision. Not because I've heard Eric's story, because I've experienced it my own self. And as I walk through it, even though I know, doesn't mean that when I walk through those times that I'm sort of get itchy again, that I don't have a little bit of like, "Mm." and Meredith reminds me because of her gift of faith. Don't you think God will provide? He's done it in the past. Why wouldn't he do it again? So the first thing that I want you to see today in this passage of Scripture is the fact that the shepherd provides. When, when, um, when I was getting ready to leave to go to, to go to college, I did everything to prepare myself mentally, emotionally, I didn't say spiritually, to make sure that I would take care of myself when I headed off to school. And as soon as I hit the ground at college, at ABAC, I made sure that I had jobs. I got jobs, got my schooling. Man, I was clicking because I didn't want to have to call back home and say, Mom, I need some money. I need something, you know. I wanted to make sure that they knew that I could handle it on my own. Are you with me? So about six weeks into it, I finally called home. My mother said to me in a very tender voice, not tender voice, Where in the world? You have to remember, this is before cell phones. This is before text. This is before Skype. This is before any of that other kind of stuff that we had, these Twitters or any of that kind of stuff. My mother said, what in the world are you doing? I was just getting ready to get up in a car and come find out what was going on up there. And I said, well, Mom, I I didn't need you, so I didn't want to call you. But how many of us treat God that way? How many of us miss out on God's provision because we're so busy trying to do it ourselves? And all of a sudden, God's saying, listen, if you just come to me, Jimmer, I got it all taken care of. But we get so busy, so worked up trying to make sure that we handle it on our own. And God's over here saying, I'm your provider. I'll take care of it if you'll just, you'll just come, if you'll just come to me. Um, this is what Paul had to say in reference that he was so convinced about God's provision, he said this in in Philippians 4, and this same God who takes care of me will supply all of our needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to me in Christ Jesus. God is our provider. Second thing I want you to write down is this. The shepherd restores. The shepherd restores. When you walk through difficulty, a lot of times it's hard for us to see difficulties from God's perspective. Sometimes we think God might be mad at us. He's upset with us. But God allows us to walk through difficulties many times so that we can become a testimony. Our lives can become an encouragement to other people. How many of you have walked through something and you've been able to use that something that you've walked through in your experience to be an encouragement to somebody else? Yeah. Many people. Um, And if you're like me, it seems like when it rains, it pours, right? It seems like there's some times in life when things were going bad, sometimes they go from bad to worse really quickly. And sometimes they even stay there for a long period of time. But the psalmist says, He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the, the still or the quiet waters. He restores my soul. We want peace but we don't want to rest. 
The shepherd restores. This is what Jesus said in John 14, and, and sort of setting the stage so you can understand what's happening. This is, this is in the upper room when they have just celebrated Passover, and Jesus has just told him he's, he's getting ready to leave. And this is what Jesus says to him in the midst of that conversation in that upper room that night. I am leaving you a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift that the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Don't be troubled or afraid. Go back and look. It says, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. I wonder why he makes us lie down, because many times we don't want to lie down. You could say that the metaphor green pastures makes me to lie down in green pastures is God's word. He makes me to lie down in green pastures pastures he leads me beside the quiet waters see because the green grass was the food for the sheep what's the food for us it's God's word see it's there in the green pastures that not only are we filled but we find comfort and we find strength and we find assurance and we find rest that's what happens in the green pastures beside the quiet waters. And it's in the midst of that that our spirits are, are restored. Are you struggling? Shepherd would take you to the green pastures. My question would be this. Just how much time are you grazing in God's green pastures? If you're walking through a time of difficulty, how much time are you spending, Ted, in the midst of God's Word? Because this is, this, is, this is where He leads us to. He leads us to this place so that we, that we can be restored, so that we can find rest. And this is what you'll come to learn, that God alone is good and He alone is the one that satisfies See, a lot of times we may go to church on Sundays, but we aren't satisfied because we're trying to fill that hole with other things than God himself. But the shepherd restores. He brings peace. That word restore in the Hebrew means to return to the point of departure. And it's easy to veer off course, isn't it, Steve? It's easy to veer off course. And what it says here is that restoration is bringing us back to that place of departure. And God alone is the one that can do that. And what's the root word of restore? Rest. Rest. Peace. <laughs> the third thing the shepherd does is he leads. He leads. Underline that word, leads. The psalmist said, he leads me in the paths of righteousness. In life, there are multiple paths. Multiple paths, Mike. Carmen, multiple paths in life. Stephen May, multiple paths in life. And we've got to make choices every day which path we're going to take. All the time, we're having to make choices about the path that we're going to take. And, and what it's saying here is in the midst of those choices, our Heavenly Father wants us to walk that path that leads us towards 
righteousness. And he says, leads us in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake, which sort of gives me the visual that there is a path that God has designed for us specifically, and it is a path that is filled with joy, and it's a path path that's filled with purpose. I think I've got a picture. I think. That's the picture that's in my office. Sheila went out and put a picture in her office, and I go, man, that looked pretty good. So I stole it from her. And I use this picture all the time when I'm sitting and talking with people. And if you've been in my office and we've had conversations about life, I'll ask you about this path and what do you see? What do you see in this path? Light at the end of the tunnel? Raise your hand. What do you see? Sherry? Okay, there's light at the end of the tunnel, but there's light shining through the trees. Dottie? You see darkness all around, but you see lightness penetrating the darkness? Yes, Hannah? What'd you say? I'm just playing with you. A a well-traveled path. I had to play with you. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Hannah's got a problem with her voice. Um, A well-traveled path. Well traveled, many people have walked. Somebody else, fog. yes. You see fog early morning, maybe. What else do you see? Yes, Conrad. Peaceful. Let me ask you a question: Are those trees old or young? They're old. What do you think? What do you think those trees have experienced? Lots of weather. Do you, do you think that they've seen people that have come along that path? Yeah. Yeah. Um, do, you, do you think that those trees have experienced storms? What has sustained them? The root system? Do you think the roots are shallow or do you think that the roots are deep, deep, deep? Mm-hmm. Deep, deep, deep. got some sandhill cranes wanting to come in and worship with us today (laughs) you know when I when I think about this there there there's so many different things what's on the other side that we cannot see Kyle huh yeah we we really don't know what's around the corner so we have to walk by what faith and not by sight. But how many times do we stand here and go, oh, well, I know what's around the corner. You ever do that? And we, we, out, you know, we outthink because we don't want to walk by faith. We, wanna, we come up with all these thoughts of what's around. The, and we do that as pastors a lot of times. We do that as pastors. We'll tell you what's around the corner, and we have no clue. We have no clue what's around the corner, but we'll come up with these big ideas, and, and, but we have no clue, and we waste a lot of time and a lot of resources. I have no clue what's around the corner. You walk by faith and not by sight. And, but the, the, the thought here is that God has a path for, for us. He has a path for us, and he leads us for his name's sake. God's got he has a will for your life to live for him. John 10, 3, 
says the gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him and he calls his own by name and leads them out. He leads them out and he, he gathers his flock and he walks ahead of them. And then he goes on to say they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from, they, they will run from him because they don't know his voice. So how do you recognize the shepherd's leadership is because you know his voice, because you've, you've, you've talked to him, you've spent time with him, you've, you've read his word, you, you, know, you know the shepherd. And they tell stories of the, of the sheep herders that would, that would take their sheep onto the countryside to, 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 to graze them. And the sheep would intermingle and mix. And all of a sudden, when the, that one shepherd was ready to leave, he would begin to walk away. And as he was walking away, he would call, he would call for his sheep. And the sheep would begin, to, uh, begin to, to follow him out of that group. It would just be his sheep and no other sheep. Why? Because they know his voice. They know his voice. And you go, well, that's ridiculous. You can't know the Lord's voice. How many of you know your best friend's voice on the phone? Yeah. Yeah, when they call you, on the phone, they don't go, hey, this is Sally, or hey, this is Fred, or this is, you know, hey, how you doing? You know exactly who it is. This is Mike. Hey, Mike, what's up, man? You know, Glenn, hey, how's it going? Who is this? You may not know his voice if you don't spend time talking to him. You may not know his voice. See, once a week isn't enough. But how do you know his voice? How do you recognize his voice? The fourth characteristic is this, the shepherd supports. The next part of the psalm says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because he's with me. You guys have heard the story about footprints in the sand, walking through a time of difficulty, and then that time I realized there was only one set of footprints. Where were you, God? What well, was in that time that I was carrying you? The Lord supports Paul said in 2 Timothy, the first time I was brought before the judge, no one came to me or to my support. Everyone abandoned me. May it be counted against them. And this is what I want you to underline, verse 17. But the Lord stood with me and gave me strength so that I might preach the good news in its entirety to all the Gentiles to hear. And he rescued me from certain death. The story of the old pastor is he's, he's, been in the, he's been in the pulpit for 50 years in this community. For many years he had told them that, that, that Lefty, that, that God was with them, that God was their support, that God was there in the midst of darkness. His wife died on that Saturday night and some of the elders of the church came to him and said, Pastor, we're going to take care of the services tomorrow. And he said, no, I, I've got to. I've got to preach. And he said, no. They said, no, we're going to handle it for you. And he said, no, I'm going to preach. And they said, pastor, you need to let us handle this. He said, no, you just don't understand. He said, for 50 years, I've stood in a pulpit and I've told my people that God is there in the midst of darkness and that his support is sure. This is the first time in my life I've ever walked through darkness. And I have to be able to tell them that God is there. And that he still supports. Um, at the graveside, 
God is there. And in the courtroom, God is there. And in the emergency room, God is there. And when you're crying out and you don't think anybody's listening, God is there. When you don't know which way to turn, God is there. And you may say it, but do you believe it? I mean, it's easy to say, God is there, but do you believe it? Back in 2004, when we had all the hurricanes that came through, Meredith and I had been gifted with a place over at the beach. It was a couple that had intended to go. Um, They couldn't go. They couldn't get their money back. They said, listen, you and Meredith go. Um, Abby would have been about four. Caleb would have been about two at that time. And so we went over to the beach during that, during that, that time. And in the midst of that, um, we realized that there was a hurricane that was coming. And in, and in that hurricane, it, it, was, it fell after we had been there for a couple of days. And I'm like going, you got to be kidding me. I mean, here, here we are. We're over at the beach having a good time, and now a hurricane's got to come. So Meredith looked at me, and she says, well, what are we going to do? And I said, well, we're just going to stay here. We're going to stay here. And she says, you don't think we need to go home? I said, no, baby. I said, we're just going to stay here. Every, there's nothing. I mean, if it's going to blow away, it's going to blow away. There's not a thing we can do about it. So in the middle of the night, I got really, really antsy. And I felt like the, I felt like the Lord said, go home. Go home. And so I got up the next morning while everybody was still in the bed. And, uh, and I began packing everything in the car. And I remember Meredith coming into where, and she goes, what are you doing? And I go, we need to go home. And she goes, I thought you just said last night. I go, I know, I know. <laughs> I said, I don't understand. I just feel like we need to go home. So we loaded everything up. And uh, we got about halfway there, and Meredith goes, oh, my goodness. I left Caleb's baby monitor on the, on the, um, on the counter in the, uh, in the living room on the little table. I said, I will just get it back. The hurricane will pass, and we'll, we'll go back, and it's not that big a deal. We're just going to go home, check on things, stay the night. We'll come back tomorrow. So in the meantime, uh, it's about, we had left about 11, so it's about 1230. The winds are starting to pick up, and when, by the time we got home, the hurricane had sort of changed direction. I don't know if you knew, but the hurricane changed direction because it was coming right across us, but it came a little bit south of us. The next morning when I woke up in the newspaper, and I want to find a copy of this, there was a house that was in the newspaper. There was a tornado that had spun off of that hurricane, and it hit that house over in Daytona Beach. That was the house that we were in. And there was Caleb's baby monitor from the um, helicopter. Here's the helicopter taking the picture of the house that we were in, It had ripped the roof completely off, and there was Caleb's baby monitor in the picture. And you tell me God doesn't support and care? He does. See, I got some stories to tell because I've experienced it. He cares for his sheep. The fifth characteristic of Jesus as the shepherd is one who defends Verse 4, continuing on, says, Thy rod and his staff, they comfort me. When we think about rod and staff, we think about it from a disciplinary perspective. We think about God using that that rod and that staff to discipline us. But that's sort of odd because David would use the words, the rod and the staff, they comfort me. What in the world is he talking about? Rod, you know, what's it, spare the rod, spoil the child? 
But we're talking about a rod and a staff bringing comfort. See, here, the rod and the staff was used, was used to defend. See, the rod and the staff was, was used to defend and to ward off the enemy, the wolves, the sheeps, uh, or the wolves and the, and the bears. See, the wolf may not be afraid of us, but he was afraid of that, that shepherd with that rod. It was not only used to discipline, but it was also used to protect and defend. How many times do we think God's mad at us? He ain't mad at you. He loves you. He loves us. And he wants to protect us. In John chapter 10, verse 11 through 15, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for his sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand will run away because he's working for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. But I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep, and they, and they know me. Just as my Father knows me, and I know the Father, so I sacrifice my life for the sheep. And he goes on to say, uh, back in the 23rd Psalm, you prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. And you're like going, how in the world is he, what's he doing preparing a table before us in the presence? Of, what's he talking about there? How many of you sat down and had supper last night? How many of us sat down and had supper in the midst and were experienced comfort, yet in other places there are people serving to protect us? See, we go about life sitting down and enjoying life and enjoying the comforts of home, not recognizing that there are policemen or there are firemen or there are military personnel that are scattered all over our, all over our world providing for protection so that we can experience comfort. Our shepherd defends. He wants to take care of things. And while the war is going on and the turmoil around us, here's Jesus setting the table, preparing the table for us, going, listen, I got it covered. You go ahead and eat. I'm going to take care of it for you. Just sit down. And he prepares the table before us in the presence of our enemies. He fights the battles for us. The sixth one, six characteristics the shepherd blesses. And I finish with this. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The writer in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20. Now be the God of peace who brought us up from the dead. Um, our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, and ratified an eternal covenant with his blood. May he equip you with all you need for doing his will. May he produce in you, through the power of Jesus Christ, every good thing that is pleasing to him, and all glory to him forever and ever and ever. See, the shepherd blesses. He wants to bless us. He wants to bless us, not curse us. But Jamie, he wants to bless you. And Larry, he wants to bless you. You know, he wants to bless you, Karen. Melvin, he wants to bless you. He wants to bless us, Bart. He wants to bless us. And when we understand what, who God is and what he wants to do for us and what he wants to do in us, it may change the way that we desire to relate to him. 
Because he's not a God who's far off, but he's really a God who wants to be up close and personal in our lives. He wants to walk with us. So in light of our discussions today, the question is, what might your response be? I mean, here's a God who provides. Here's a God who, who defends. Here, 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 is a, here is a God who supports. I mean, here, here is a God who restores, one who leads, one who defends, one who blesses. And how should we want to respond to that? Probably to get as close as possible to him. Jimmer, <laughs> to get as close to the coach as you can get. See, when I was on the football field, sometimes the coach would take us out, and I didn't go sit on the bench. I went right back up to him. I got right up in his face because I wanted him to know, listen, coach, I'm ready for you to put me in when it's the time. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. Get as close as possible. See, the scripture says in Isaiah that all of us are like sheep and we've gone astray and we've turned everyone to his own way and the Lord has laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. That's what the scripture says. Jesus isn't the one that moves. We are. At my grandfather's funeral the other day, um, I don't have a copy of it, but I have one that's like that, I think, in my Bible. They had like 50 years of sermons that he had prepared that were like this, the old-timey way. Exactly the same. Sermon outlines written, three to four pages apiece, front and back, little bitty words that I can't even see. And they took the Bible that he had preached from for X amount of years, and as they, as they shared in the funeral that day, one of the pastors used his Bible they used the 23rd Psalm. And he, see, he began to share the 23rd Psalm. He said, I want to read to you what Gilbert had written. He said, because it said, the Lord is my shepherd. He said, no, the Lord is my shepherd indeed. And my question is, is he yours? If not, how are you going to respond? See, the Bible teaches us that we respond by acknowledging our sin and recognizing our need because if there is no need if there's no recognition of sin you really don't need what Jesus did for you but when you recognize your sinfulness and you recognize your need puts Jesus in a whole different light next week we're going to talk about Jesus as the lamb as we celebrate the Lord's Supper together and it brings to light the picture of really who Jesus is and the sacrifice that he paid for us. But today, if you're here and you don't know Christ, and you don't have a personal relationship with you, I wish I could tell you it was as simple as saying a prayer and signing some piece of paper and it's often done. No, it's not a one-time decision to follow Jesus, but it's a daily decision to follow Jesus. But it starts with an admittance of sin, believing that Jesus died on the cross and committing to live your life for him daily. Would you pray with me today? Father, thank you for our time. If there are people here today that don't know you, even after this service, Lord, I pray that they would come to me and say, I want to follow Jesus. I want to know Jesus. If there are others that are here, Father, that are believers, 
it wouldn't surprise me if some have walked and are not in the place where they need to be. This is what I've come to learn, Lord, that, that you haven't moved. I pray that those of us that are in that place have been walking away or we veered off the path, Lord, that you would restore us as we acknowledge our sin and we place our faith in you. Father, I pray that as we leave and we walk out these doors today, I pray that we'll be your ambassadors. I pray that we'll recognize and understand that we represent you as we walk out these doors. May we be instruments of your peace. May we be a light into this place of darkness. Father, may you use us to impact the lives of others as we not only represent you, but as we live for you, not only in good deeds, but also in the testimony of our word. Help us, Father, because we need it. Help us to come to understand and grasp wholly and fully that you are our shepherd. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.